This is Iron Sports. We're very fortunate to have Dusty, Coach Dusty May of Florida Atlantic Owls. Of course, Coach May and the Owls had an amazing run through the NCAA tournament, made it to the Final Four. Coach May, thanks so much for coming on Iron Sports. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. So, Coach, I just want to go over a little bit about just to relive this great, great run that you had. Um, you know, you receded eighth in the tournament, and you come in. You know, and some people said maybe a little higher. Eighth is a tough seed because you have eight and nine, and then you have to play the first, the top seed. Usually, that's it. This year it wasn't. Um, what about your seeding, and, and how comfortable were you going into this tournament? You know, with that seed. Well, I I, I thought. Well, we, we expected to be, in our minds, a seven, maybe eight. So nine was a little lower than we anticipated just based on our metrics. Uh, but I was more surprised at Memphis being an eight seed. We, I, I felt like over the, the course of the last month or two of the season, they were probably a, a top three or four seed. And with their entire body of work, maybe a five or a six. And for them to get eight, I thought, wow, this is a tough matchup against an underseeded team. Uh, but I did think we matched up relatively well with them, uh, despite their, their, their talent level. Um, so, yeah, we, we were excited to play them. But, yeah, we, we actually thought both teams were a little bit underseated, which is typical when you're not in a power five. Uh, conference. And what a game. I mean, the fact that uh, Elijah Martin with the tip in made it 64-63. Memphis goes on and they take a basket. And then and then Janelle Davis misses a shot. Memphis gets the rebound. But Brandon Withers with that big steal gets the tip in, you know, and, and you get the ball back. And then you call the play for Nicholas Boyd to score. Uh, scores as time expires. Just a, just a great, I mean, just it was chaos. I was watching that on TV. It was total chaos, it seemed like. But your team was under control. What an ending. Yeah, it was it was very uh, it was back and forth. Our guys made a lot of great plays. Their guys made big time plays, and uh, it, it's what the NCAA tournament's about: an intense, evenly matched game that goes down to the wire, and uh, we win the game essentially as time expires, uh, as, as they didn't get a good look at the end. So, um, what a what a great game, and uh, very very proud of our guys. Yeah, I, mean, I also like when, when Nicholas Boyd said he was complimenting Vladimir Golden for saying, look, it was all with him. He was the one who made the seal out that let me come and make the shot. I mean, he just always deflect, you know, giving praise to Golden for just making a great, really like a pick. You know, I thought that was pretty nice yeah. of him to say that. Um, well, when you watch our guys, if someone makes a shot, usually everyone's thinking the screener and the passer and the passer to the passer as opposed to the guy that, that received the ball and shot the basket in. So it's, it's, it's something that uh, our, our guys live daily. Yeah, and then the second round, so Fairly Dickinson upsets Purdue, <laughs> crazy upset in terms of the, this, the, this amazing upset, but you still, you know, even though you're a heavily favored team, you still have to be nervous because last year St. Peter's did that same thing. They upset Kentucky, then they beat Murray State and Purdue. So as much as you were a favorite, you go from that 8-9 game against uh, Memphis, you, you had a challenge against Fairly Dickinson was on, a, was on fire playing well. Yeah, they really improved throughout the season, and early on, they were a horrendous defensive team, and they found their, their uh, I, I guess, the, the right way for them to play down the stretch, and then they were small and quick, and their centers shot the ball really well, so they presented a number of matchup problems because of our size at the five, just like they did for Purdue with Zach Eady at the five, so... Uh, it was a tough matchup. They pressed. They they played uh, extremely desperate, and um, you know it, it took everything we had to find a way to beat those guys. But um, you know that's that's the power of of being uh, the underdog. Where I felt like every other game we had, um, I guess, more of an edge 
And that game, I felt like FDU probably had a little bit more of an edge than us. We were just fortunate to find a way to make enough plays to win. But hats off to them. They were small, scrappy, and, and obviously playing their best basketball of the year. And then I was in Orlando and saw Tennessee play Duke. I went to Duke Law School, so I went to that game down in Orlando. And, and Tennessee destroyed Duke. I mean, and I'm like, that team, first of all, they're an older team. They're gigantic. They, they were the best defense in the United States. And then you play in Madison Square Garden. I mean, what a challenge for your team. And to come out and, and actually, you know, you're down at halftime, 27-22. But to come out in that second half and just blow them out is just, not really blow them out, but just take that lead and score against them was very impressive. Yeah, we uh, Tennessee at the time was number one in the country in defensive uh, efficiency. Their defensive metrics were, were the best in, in the country in all of college basketball, 366 teams, I believe. And so they were very difficult. And we felt like after the first seven or eight minutes of the game, despite us missing shots, we kind of found our, our rhythm offensively. And we found different ways to generate good looks. So we were very confident coming out in the second half that we were going to be able to uh, find qual enough quality looks to, to score enough to beat them. And, and our defense obviously uh, held down the fort. We were very physical in the glass. Uh, for us to out-rebound them like we did is, is a, once again, a testament to our guys' toughness and, and competitive spirit. But, um, you know, it was a battle. A lot of respect for those guys. And, uh, you know, fortunately, once again, we, we found a way to make enough plays to win. But um, it was it was a slugfest, and, and we all saw how physical Tennessee was and how how they make the game. Fortunately, uh, we caught a few breaks where they had they got uh, they got spotted for all for intentional fouls and gave us a couple free throws. So uh, those helped. But um, man, what what a basketball game in, in Madison Square Garden! Maybe a little credit to Jay Billis who called them <laughs> called Tennessee's behavior out a little bit in the Duke game and and said that they were too rough. And maybe you got some some calls uh, you know down the way from that from that game. But um, yeah. then you play. Kansas Kansas State. Now, again, you're in New York, Madison Square Garden. It's a little bit different than some of the other regionals because you're right there, Madison Square Garden, the Knicks, everything, the excitement, uh, and you're playing a tough Kansas State team. And Marcus Noel, who is calls himself Mr. New York from there, has had this great run of the tournament. Now, he put up a great game with 30 points and 12 assists, but you were able to hang on and win that game. You know, anytime you feel like you did a pretty good job on a guy and he gets 30 and 12, <laughs> it shows what type of basketball player he is. Uh, he, he had a special, special tournament run in, the, in his home city, and uh, they had a good team. Keontae Johnson is a guy that uh, I, I know well from my days uh, working at Florida, and so they had essentially two first-team all Big 12 caliber players, and then it had a bunch of really good role players that played hard, played together. So a really good basketball team that was uh, in, in position to win the Big 12 for much of the season. So. Um, we knew we had our work cut out for us, but we also felt like we had a couple advantages uh, just in personnel, in our personnel, and uh, we did a, a good enough job on, on Johnson and Noel, uh, but another one, another great basketball game, an opportunity to go to the Final Four that goes down to the wire. Uh, Mike Forrest continues to continue to make huge free throws down the stretch, uh, clutch free throws, and, and uh, we had, once again, just enough to, to, to advance. Uh, that was what you just said about Michael Forrest. I was going to ask you that. It's just, it seemed like in all these games, you mismade those key free throws. And then he's shooting that in Madison Garden with all the pressure, everything. And he goes and he just drains those four free throws at the end. Uh, just tremendous in terms of, but it was not just in that game with the free throws throughout the whole tournament. You just seemed to make always those clutch free throws. And not just one player, all the players did. Absolutely. Our, our guys show great courage. They, they weren't afraid of failure. 
they weren't afraid of the moment, and, and they continued to make timely shots, and, and that included the free throws. So, uh, you know, part of our job is, is, is to, to help these guys uh, respond under pressure in, in the most stressful situations. And, and uh, you know, because of our practice habits and because of the, the preparation our guys put into the game and their sport, they were able to really – uh, make the plays in the biggest moments, and, and uh, that's not that's not easy to do. <laughs> so then we go to Houston, and it was a great scene there in Houston. I mean, I was there; it was awesome. Um, and but I loved like your comments kept saying, "Look, our players are grounded. We're here. This is a business trip. You know, we're looking and we're enjoying it, but we're here to to win." You you, you felt you know playing a team like San Diego State. I mean, Brian Dutcher is a is a great coach. It seems that like you seem to have a good relationship with him. Um, I thought, and of course, you know, one of the games for the ages in terms of one of the best Final Four games I've ever seen between. You guys in San Diego State. Yeah, obviously a lot of respect for the program. They, they, it was almost like we were playing ourselves. They were older, uh, they were physical, they were strong, they were tough, uh, and they were extremely together and unselfish. And those are the, the, the traits that I thought were, were very similar to our team. They played nine players. Most teams play seven or eight. Uh, so our depth was, was an advantage almost every other game all season. That game, it was probably neutralized. And uh, it, it was two evenly matched, similar teams. And, and fortunately, unfortunately for us, uh, they had the ball last and, and, and made a huge play. But um, once again, in that environment, our guys, Giancarlo Rosado and, and Elijah Martin, had uh, two of their better games of the year. And once again, to be able to, to perform on that stage in front of that many people live and on television, is, is something that prepares our guys for, for life well past basketball, where they're going to be able to, to produce. And, and you know, I, I, I'm always trying to figure out ways to inspire our, our guys to be better. When you, you look at the number of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and, and small businesses, a lot of them are former college athletes because they know how to deal with that stress and pressure and not only deal with it, but also – uh, respond well to it and, uh, and and live in the moment. So um, our guys, they, they had a lot of important life lessons they were learning through this process. I mean, it was it, the Final Four is crazy. You never play in a stadium with seventy thousand people and eighty thousand. It, it's just and it's enormous and, and and how they set it out in terms of where they put the. So it's just completely different than than normal basketball. I mean, the and we're watching the NBA playoffs. And I mean, finals. They're not playing in stadiums like this. So to actually go in there and perform in a completely different, crazy environment, just I'm so you must be so proud of your team and how they, they you know in that game. Uh, mesmerized. At, at how they they were during the game, before the game, after the game. They just really represented our university, uh, our community, their families. They represented everyone that they're associated with at such a high level and a professional uh, manner that uh, couldn't be more proud and uh, excited to uh, hopefully – uh, make a run at Phoenix next year. <laughs> so we're looking now. We're going to turn the page a little bit for, for to next year. You're going to be in a new conference, the American Conference, which which is a, which is a little a step up. Even though Conference USA has some good teams, American Conference is very good. Um, so that, that's going to be a different challenge for you. You're going to be seeing different teams that you haven't played seen before, and it'll be exciting, I guess, for your players. Yeah, it's almost like we took a new job, or it's almost like they transferred <laughs> with, with all their teammates and brothers with them because we're going to see. Uh, so many new teams, new cities, new arenas. So, um, and then obviously our pre-conference schedule changes every year. So it does almost feel like we're at a new job now, 
Uh, and so it kind of keeps everything fresh and, and whatnot. And uh, obviously we have a, a lot of work to do with scouting and learning our new opponents. But uh, with the with the transfer portal and the revolving rosters, I don't know if you could even start preparing until just before the game. <laughs> there's, there's so much turnover on just about every roster. Every roster but yours. Now, I might be saying this incorrectly, but there's 363 Division One schools. Only five of them did not lose a player in the transfer portal, and one was you, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of times people, coaches, players, they, they don't really value uh, each other as much as our guys do. I think there's a really uh, great mutual respect amongst our players, amongst our players and coaches, and, and we all uh, really enjoy the relationships and bonds we've been able to create together. And it, it's not easy or common to have 25 or 30, however many people in our travel party, like-minded people uh, that are all unselfish, all extremely hardworking, uh, but most importantly, concerned with each other's success as well. So it's a special, special group, and I don't think any one of any of us wanted to mess that up uh, because of, 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 of things that we're chasing outside of. Uh, the, you know the purity of the game and the relationships and, and what we've been able to do together. Oh, I know. I mean, Forrest, uh, Michael Forrest is a senior, so he ha- he's graduated, so he left. But there are players in your program that were starters when the year started that became, you know, in the rotation, but still second team players. Everyone's assumed that oh, they'll transfer out. You know, they'll go somewhere different. I mean, that's that's how college basketball is now. Just so amazing that everyone has decided to come back, even the people that are not, you know, that fell out of that starting rotation. It's just a it's a tour de force for your team, and and I guess for your motivation coming back this year to to try to get you know get to phoenix and and win the extra two games yeah there's 13 scholarship players and most programs play with a seven or eight man rotation we play with a nine so there was four scholarship players that were out of out of the rotation last year and it's it's difficult to stay ready to continue to work and prepare uh, like you're a starter if you're not getting into the games and so our, our staff, we, we're very intentional to spend time with those guys, and, and the development piece is extremely important. And what we've come to find is players enjoy their experience and they do feel like they're getting better. They'll usually wait their turn a little bit longer than they would if they're not improving and the relationship's not extremely strong and, and they don't have faith that it's going to happen for them at some point. Uh, but we also uh, we, we remind our players a lot that you know this year we played 39 games in a normal year you play 32 to 35, and if our happiness is is derived on 35 nights out of the year, then it's good, it's going to be a tough existence in this sport because you're not going to play well every night things aren't going to go well for you so you're looking at probably 330 to 340 days of uh, marginal happiness if you're only going to be happy when you play and play well. So we try to enjoy practice. We try to enjoy workouts, just the day-to-day uh, business that, that, that we do. And uh, if, we, if we have that mindset, then, then we feel like the game is a reward because we enjoy uh, what, what goes into it a lot more than, than just the results of the game. And the challenge you have for this year is that last year you were picked fifth in the Conference USA, sort of came out of nowhere, even though you felt you were developing that in, in good shape. But this year you're in 
seems like everybody's top 10, some as high as five and six. Um, how do you keep the focus? I mean, how, again, like I, I point back to North Carolina a couple years ago when they made it to the final game and I was like, okay, they're bringing everybody back. They're going to be the favorite and then they don't even make the tournament. So it's, it's, it's not just like we have the same guys. It's like we have to be improved and get better. It must be. It's, I mean, are you calling Hubert Davis or what are you doing in terms of getting this team, you know, putting yes last year behind and, and, and building upon that, but, but going forward for this year? Well, we spend a lot of time trying to anticipate what our problems and issues are going to be. Uh, every team, every organization, the Miami Heat, they were a eight or nine seed. They, they were a playing game, but they, they found solutions to their problems and, and they continue to evolve. So for us, we're always trying to anticipate what are the issues going to be and can we decide now how we're going to respond to those issues. And even you mentioned North Carolina, we're going to use them as an example going forward. Um, we know their staff. We know some of the things that they didn't manage very well. And so we're, we're going to be very aware of those issues while also anticipating the issues that pertain to us and our situation. So um, part of our job is to anticipate problems and then get out ahead of those problems. And if we're able to do that, then usually uh, they're, they're a lot easier to, just to smooth, uh, smooth over. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where the resiliency of our group, the, the relationships have to be uh, much stronger than, than the problems. And if they are, then we'll find ways to, to battle through adversity, to battle through a, a two-game losing streak or three-game losing streak, whatever the case, whatever the season throws at you, we'll be able to battle through it and play our best basketball when it really matters, which is March and April. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And now the, the schedule for next year, you're still coming into focus. I mean, I have friends who are you know, in college basketball. I keep asking them, okay, what are you going to play? Like, Ira, your schedule, we don't, we don't finish it. It takes some time. It's not like the NFL. Yeah. You know, they, they, and so you're still, but I know that you have a tip-off classic in Boca Raton earlier in the year. Is there any other dates that maybe you're, you're, you've, you've narrowed down in terms of finalized that have some other maybe non-conference schedules, uh, teams that would come in? No, everything that's been released is what we have finalized. Uh, we're, we're still working on adding one or two more games. But for the most part, it's 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 you know, it's done. We'll play Florida Gulf Coast. Um, I believe we'll we'll attempt to play FIU every year, home or away, uh, because of proximity and they've been a great rival and we have a lot of respect for them. So there's some games like that that, that we'll play. Uh, Albany's scheduled uh, to play here. They that might be postponed for one year. Uh, we're working with them on that. So there's still some uh, some some different balls in the air, but um, it's getting closer and closer to being finished. And uh, the MTE in Orlando is going to be great, playing four games on ESPN, the, the Barstool Classic event, the, the Hall of Fame Classic event. So we're getting into some pretty cool uh, tournaments and classics now that uh, we weren't able to get into in the past. That's just awesome. Well, Coach May, I know you're super busy. You know, there's so much in South Florida. We have the hockey playing great, the heater playing great. Uh, you had a great time. This is just, uh, it's it, it, hopefully it all feeds upon each other. Um, and I'm just looking forward to next year. And, and I know you have lofty expectations, but it'd be great to, to see you guys back in the Final Four uh, in Phoenix. Let's, uh, let's, let's hope the Marlins get, get hot and make a run at it, and uh, this will be a special sports year in South Florida. Oh, I, I saw that you threw the opening pitch out of the game, but I didn't see the pitch. They didn't show that. They showed that you – was it, did you throw a strike for your first opening pitch? Uh, well, if I, if there was a batter that would swing at a ball in the dirt, it would have been a strike. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was a curveball or anything. Well, that's great. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't think the game ball, they, they give it to you when you leave. I don't think there's supposed to be a scuff on it, but for some reason there's a scuff <laughs> on my ball. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. That then that's what you probably have suppressed that video because I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, but that's some, hey, someone else. Uh, someone else put the overhead uh, camera view on it from uh, the the boxes, and it showed where the pitch started and landed. And uh, we considered uh, putting out a cease and desist, but uh, we, <laughs> we decided against it. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Coach, and great and good luck for the rest of the summer and getting into the fall. Thanks, Iris.